Hey, folks at the Compass Church, I want everyone here to say hi to you all. Hi. Hi. I wish I could be with you all, but I'm here in Nepal, able to develop new friendships and train some pastors here as they bring the good news of Jesus Christ in a, a very difficult environment. Well, since I'm here, I'm excited to introduce to you my brother, Dave, who will be preaching today at the Compass Church. It is a miracle that my crazy brother can be used by God, but you're about to be blessed by his ministry. Thank you very much. Thank you. My Bible won't stay open. How's everybody doing? Good. Um, I get n nervous when I speak around strangers. So my name is Dave, and you are? Well, good. Then now we're not strangers anymore. We're best friends. I can totally uh, calm down. You know, yes, I am um, Jeff's younger brother. I am the middle brother of three. Um, and so I thought I would, uh, I could you know, Jeff's profession before he was a pastor was making his younger brothers miserable. He was quite the teaser. He was quite the, the torturer at times. Uh, he was also one that was a horrible winner at games. And we would have these game nights and he would win. I just don't like games anymore, period. And it's his fault. And so I thought, what a, when he's on the other side of the world. I'm with his new congregation. What a great time to rip him to shreds. But I decided, no, I'm going to take the high road. And I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to show some cool pictures of him being a fool for Jesus. Yeah. That's my brother. That would be him. Oh. Warms my heart to know that he's such a great guy. <laughs> What's amazing about it is, is I really do, I really admire my brother that he's willing to do anything for the cause of Jesus. What uh, does bug me about my brother is that whenever he, uh, you know, I w I've been a pastor along with him up at the chapel. And whenever he was going somewhere, he asked me, hey Dave, would you come up and would you take, you know, would you speak? And I, yes, whenever he did that, he seemed to give me the subjects or the topics that he didn't want to talk about. And guess what? He did it again to me this today. And so I'm a, little, I'm a little upset with him for a couple of reasons. One is we're in this amazing series called The Power of Love, which is awesome. And if you haven't heard what my brother said the last two weeks, you should go online and get them. But they're just beautiful. They're great. They're actually what I like to call really uplifting sermons about how God is the source of love, which is two weeks ago. And then last week was how God loves us so much that we're actually adopted into his family. What great subjects. And it's just awesome. And I was like, why didn't you give me one of those? But when it comes to now our love for God through this word called obedience, I don't even like saying the word. I'll be honest with you. I just don't like obedience. I, I'm not famous for being one to obey, and it might be the other way around of where, I don't think my mom wakes up and says, this is, this is, you know, Jeff, the smart one. He, she doesn't say, this is Dave, the obedient one, and, you know, Mark, the baby. It's Dave, something else, and so we won't say that, but it's one of those where, honestly, obedience is not one of my favorite subjects to talk about. I don't, I don't really like it because I'm not very good at obeying. I'm one of the type of people that walk by a door, and there's a big sign on it that says, do not enter. That's where I enter. 
that's just how I am being the middle child. I don't know, that's just how it is. And so he gave me this. Now, the second reason that I'm a little upset with my brothers is he gave me one simple sentence, not even a full verse to talk about this. Now, I am not a super uh, intelligent and, and smart guy, so I'm more of an, the action one of the family. And so I go and I look at some study and look at some books in order to feel intelligent. And as I did it, I realized that this verse is translated two distinct ways that mean two completely different things. And so I'm like, now you don't even give me a, a sentence that is even translated the same way. And so he said, no, Dave, use this translation. Well, guess what? I'm using both of them. I'm not just going to hang with what Jeff says. We're going to actually look at both of them. And it's really kind of fun because I think God actually has truth in both the ways that they're translated. So we're going to dive right into the verse. But I would love if we would pray first because I need help on this whole obedience thing. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much. Huh? I thank you for the way that you love us. I thank you that your love is powerful. And God, I ask that we would hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start with the translation that my brother said I should use. And it's the New Living Translation. And it is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, and the first sentence of it. And this is what it says. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Now, when I, I, I look at that, the very first thing that I see out of it, it, it has to do with that if we say we love God, we must obey God. And there's no real way to do that. I, I, I'm a, a student pastor at a church called The Chapel, and I hang out with students all the time. And what's amazing is there's kind of this new, new feeling and a new, new growth coming up, and I actually... It kind of resonates with my heart, which just so you know is, is wrong. This is not a good feeling. But we really like to talk about how great God's love is and how awesome it is. And just so awesome that he loves me no matter what. And there's that freedom in it. But when it comes to the point of where God starts telling us what to do, it just doesn't seem right anymore. I don't, I know it's my life. This is who I am. Let me do what I want. Let me enter the do not enter door. Let me do how I want. And there's a bunch of students that really feel that way. Let us celebrate God's love. But just not, don't worry about always doing the right thing. But the truth is, is if we love God, we should obey him. And actually, that obeying shows how completely we love him, as that verse says. And isn't it true? I know it's true because I do this all the time. I've been married 17 years and I have no kids, but I have bunches of nieces and nephews all over the place, here and in Mexico. And what's great is, is I have learned how to, I have learned how to find out if they love me. And so I will call over one of my nieces and nephews and say, hey, come here. Don't you love Uncle Dave? And they're like, yeah, because they have to say that. And then what do I say? Get me a Coke. And right then and there, I know whether that young, that nephew really loves me or not. Because if they go, not you, Uncle Dave, and walk away, I know that love is not right. But if they're like, yes, and they go running in the kitchen and come with a Coke and hand it to me, I know that, you know what? That person really cares for me. We all, parents especially know this. The hugs and the kisses are all great from our kids. But when we ask them to do something that is not in their agenda to do, and they do it, don't we know? Yes, my kids actually do love me. And so really, honestly, when I read that verse, the first thing that I see is that, you know what? 
if we are going to say that we are lovers of God, obedience must be a part of our life. The other thing that I notice in that verse is this, is that my obedience better come from love for God. Because anything else with me, because I'm not a real good uh, obeyer, it doesn't last. It reminds me of back in the day when I was younger. This, you know, when thinking about my, my brother and me being able to speak to you guys, I, I, I travel back in a lot of memories. And so it brought up the whole back in the days when we lived, where we, where we grew up, it was on a cul-de-sac in Arlington Heights. And the cul-de-sac had us, the Griffins, which are three boys, then the Rogers, but they don't really matter because we don't talk about them. And then you have this another house next to them, which is the Griffins. There were two Griffins living within a couple houses of each other, and they were five boys. So there's eight of us Griffins. Now, we were on the smaller side and very Norwegian. They were on the Italian side, very big. They were big boys, very athletic. They were the stars of the football team, and they're all a couple years older than me. And you know what? I just, I wanted to be more of an Italian griffin than I did of the Norwegian griffin. I'd look at my brothers and be like, oh, you guys are good. But then I'd look at the other griffins and be like, oh, I want to be them. I think I even ate more meals over at their house than I did at my own house. It's one of those, we all kind of came together. Well, boy, basically what happened was, is as soon as it would start to get warm in the season, in the evenings, the big griffins would invite all of their friends over and us to play a game of kick the can on the cul-de-sac. And kick the can has to be the greatest game in the world. Because basically, if you don't know what it is, you put a coffee can in the middle, and then everybody goes and hides except for one person. That person then has to try to find people. And when you find somebody, you run, step on the coffee can and say, one, two, three, I see. And if that person is caught, they have to go to jail. But if you, being hidden, can sneak up and kick the can before getting caught, you're the hero of the day and you set everybody free. It's the greatest game in the world. Great. So all of these people would be playing this game. And what was amazing about it for me was, is I'm actually playing with the older Griffins. I was pretty good at being sneaky. So I was pretty good at the game. But what happened is, is right as the game is just getting good, it's right about 9 o'clock in the evening where it starts getting dark, our front door would open, a light would be cast out, and my mom would step out. And she would go, the Norwegian Griffin boys, it's time to go to bed. And I'd be like, no. First, that's embarrassing. It's only nine. The other one is, is no, I can't end this game. I'm about to kick the can. What she would do then is, is none of us, she'd kind of shut the door and go back in, but none of us were very obedient. You know, we're supposed to love mom, so obedience should follow, right? Well, basically, she would begin this realizing that the love is not enough. She would begin to use different tactics in order to get us in. Her first is that she would kind of offer a whole bunch of, hey, just so you know, this is school night. You got school tomorrow. It'd be really good for you to get a good night's sleep. And she starts talking about how it was good for us. I'll even give you ice cream, but prizes and all that sort of stuff. And with the ice cream, my little brother would jump up and just run right in because he was at, and I was like, I don't care about ice cream at the moment. I don't care anything. Anything that's good about me, what's good for me right now, is me being the hero of this game and kicking the can. And so as I, if you think about it, sometimes that's how we obey God. It is true that God says, as if you obey, you will be blessed. It's true. But if that's our motivation, for me, that never lasts until I, 
it never lasted long term because I always see something in the near future that seems like it would be a better prize for me. Where God says, go do something. And I'm like, no, I think it'd be better if I was lazy today. And it's because, it's, because of that, I kind of look at it. And so when it's a motivation of just for my benefit, my obedience to God never lasts. Mom would then come out later and open the door. And now she'd start using different stuff saying, hey, don't you understand? I am your mother. I took you, brought you into this world. And then start throwing all the authority out there. That's usually where my brother Jeff gave in. And he would get up and head on in, and you know, he realized that it was pretty serious, but not me. Because the truth is, is out of this call of, hey, this is what your duty as son to do, when I looked at that, I was like, you know, no. If there's a greater duty or a higher need, in my eyes, that's what I would follow. And so for me, no, mom, I understand, but you're going to be fine in that house. I got friends in jail. I need to set them free. I need to set them free. And so I had this higher calling. And isn't that true? Sometimes when it's, when it's out of duty, when we follow God, it's a good thing. He is our authority. But sometimes that wears on us and we lose the joy in that and we lose the amazing. And what ends up happening is, is we kind of get tired and say, no, I, I have a different calling or a, or a higher thing. And that doesn't last and is not a good representative of us being obedient either at times. Then it would finally happen. Game is getting really good. And the front door would open in our house, but there was a different shadow that came out of the house. <laughs> Much bigger this time. And it would stand there in the shadow. And I remember, I always called it the Superman pose. Bum, 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 bum. My dad would stand like this. And he, would just, he wouldn't have to say anything. But I knew what he was saying without words. Son, if you don't come in, it's going to hurt. I mean, that's basically what he was saying. It's not, I'm, you're going to hurt. And that's finally, out of pure fear of my father, that's finally where I said, fine, I will come in. And sometimes we follow God out of pure fear. And it's actually somewhat biblical to say we should fear the Lord. But what's your attitude when you're following out of pure fear all the time? I remember distinctly walking by my dad as he kind of lets, you know, opens the door come on in. My, my attitude was, sure, I'm going in, but oh, you ruined my life. Oh, I can't believe I was about to save the world by kicking the can. And we have this kind of this, this, this begrudged or, or, or down or heavy attitude of what obedience is. You know, I have tried all of those motivations. And all of them work at times in order to step into obedience. But the truth is, every time I did it, when I went to church and when I did stuff when I was younger, basically, I walked around like I was a sad, beaten down, unhappy, unsatisfied person as I walked in obedience because of, just because of duty or just because of fair, uh, uh, just because it was, motivation was good for me or just because I was scared or out of fear. All of those can be good, but when does obedience actually become joyful? Is when it comes out of our love for Jesus. And I remember distinctly for me when that happened for me was in college. When I was about seven years old, I made a distinct decision that the best thing in the world, the best thing in the world was downhill skiing. I knew that. There was nothing better. I thought, I believe that's what heaven was going to be when I get up there. He's going to hand me a pair of skis and say, go ski. And so I was really excited about skiing. So much so that skiing was more important than my family, because we would take family vacations. 
and my family would never see me because they skied too slow. I would blow off friends. I wouldn't eat meals. I just would ski the whole time. I even ignored girls at that point when I was in high school because skiing was so important. It was everything to me. And I had planned to be, and people would ask me, Dave, what are you going to do? And I'd even spiritualize it. When I grow up, I'm going to be a ski bum for Jesus. And I was serious about it. What was amazing was, is I uh, was in a college class sitting with this amazing professor, and he was up there teaching, and he was talking about this, of how much God loves us. And it was one of those moments where, I don't know what was different than the other moments, but I heard the words that God loves me. That Jesus actually died and rose again, conquered death on my behalf to give me a new life, to forgive my sins. And I encountered God's love in such a real way. I remember sitting in class saying, man, that is so awesome, God. I'll follow you anywhere. I will do anything you want. Didn't know that like two days later, I'm sitting in the class. Same professor looks and says, hey, I'm putting a mission agency together. I'm sending young people down to work with street kids in Mexico. And it's like my whole inside did this big old flop inside. And I was like, no, God, there is no snow in Mexico. I will not go. And then all of a sudden, it was one of those things where all of a sudden I realized this peace came over me saying, but it's not my, it's how much he loves me. And almost out of an excitement, I said, all right, I'll go. I will forsake this whole skiing thing with a smile on my face and said, I'll head to Mexico. And all I knew about Mexico was Taco Bell and Speedy Gonzales. I thought that was it. <laughs> and I went down and into one of the most difficult situations that I have ever been in in my life. I got sick. I couldn't speak the language. I was only the w- only white guy for miles. I was down there. And I, I was in such an adventure and in, in, in excitement and in, in obedience We're out of my life. I ended up staying for 10 years in Mexico. Love the culture so much. I married one of them. People like to say, hey, Dave, did you? I asked. My my wife is, 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 is a beautiful lady from Mexico. I call her, don't you hate when I say this, the hottie Mexican. I always tell her it's not my fault. You're hot and you're Mexican. I'm just saying it plainly. But what is awesome is we've been married 17 years. And this is what's great is there's such a joy and excitement of I can look at all of that blessing and came out of me saying, all right, I love you, God, enough to obey you. And my obeying is going to come out of a love that I have for you. Now, what's really cool about it is, is the miracles continue. Because my wife, she is so awesome. I think she wakes up every morning. And says, Jesus, I love you. And then she says, then God says, good, stay with him and please help him because he needs your help. So (laughs) even our marriage is blessed by the way that she loves God through obedience. It's awesome. It's been a great experience for her, just so you know. Now, what's really kind of cool is you sit there and look at this. And this is where this next bit of translation, this other translation comes in, is this, is where can we find that type of love? that actually inspires us to obey, and not the, I got to obey, but oh, I have this amazing opportunity to obey God, put aside my own dreams, set aside my own goals, and actually hand God my entire life so that I live by his principles and I do what he wants. And that sounds awesome to obey that way. Where does the joy and the excitement come? Where did that love come from? 
This is what I love about this verse. Look what this verse says. This verse, which is in the uh, New International Version, says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. But if anyone obeys his word, love, <clears throat> excuse me, love for God is truly made complete in them. Does that really say what it's saying? That I am such a weak person that I even need God to give me his love to love him. And how do I actually do that? Through obedience. If I obey God, he then gives me the love that I actually need to love him. And it's made complete, which is going to give me more of a desire to obey him, which then will give me more love to be able to obey him even more, which fills me up with more love for him that he's given. And all of a sudden you come this, and I've been thinking of this weird song the whole time, and it is so unappropriate, but it's the circle of life. But let's just... Thank you. You're my new best friend. That's Griffins aren't famous for singing, that's for sure. But if you look at it, there's this amazing thing, and it's, I'm calling it the circle of love. And what a great and amazing thing. Look how it works. According to the same sentence, translated by guys in several different ways, and God bringing up his truth, he's saying, hey, if you love me, you should obey me. Your obedience should come out, <coughs> should come out of love, and that love I'm going to actually give to you when you obey me. And then the more you obey, the more I'm going to hand you some love. The love that I deserve, which is going to inspire you to obey more. And here we go in this circle of actual where obedience goes from something that is, oh, I have to do this because I'm supposed to, or I have to do this because I'm scared if I don't, or I have to do this just because it's my duty as a, as, as a religious person, to something that becomes absolutely exciting, uh, adventurous, natural, and beautiful. Never easy we just got to be honest on that one it's not easy but the best things in life never are are they and so it's absolutely amazing when you look at this how does this look like then in a normal life as i said at the chapel i was a junior high pastor and i think i started some 11 years ago there and uh i was pastor of, of junior high middle students what a piece of work they are I don't really know how to describe them under their, 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 they got all of the great characters of children, plus all of the annoying ones, and then they have all of the great characters of an adult, plus all of the annoying ones, all built in one body that doesn't even understand themselves and has no idea how to deal with it, so it just comes bursting out all over. One minute they're like, kid, ah, and the next minute they're like, hey, and then it's just like, it's just, they're crazy. That's why I relate with them. But what is absolutely amazing is, is I'm starting this ministry. And so I, I, I tell the, the congregation there is I need some adults who be willing to come in and disciple them and to really minister to them. And, uh, you know, different other people like me, kind of half crazy, come in and say, I'd love to be a part of that. That sounds awesome. Because, you know, people are a little scared of the middle school kids. Well, one day I turn around and I see a man and he has filled up the entire doorway. I mean, this man, is, he's a big man. I just call him Big Jim. And Big Jim is a brand new Christian and a bit rough around the edges. I can't even tell you what he told me because I'd have to swear and then I'd offend you all. So I won't. But I remember him distinctly coming and says, God's called me to work with beeping junior hires. 
I don't even like junior hires. My son's a beeping junior hire. I don't even like him. But I'm going to work with junior hires. And I'm like, ooh, what a great attitude. And I kind of look at big, big Jim and I said, Jim, why? And he goes, I'm trying to love God. And I was like, hmm, excellent. And he goes, what do I do? And I said, well, I'll see you Wednesday. So Jim shows up Wednesday, and I'm kind of scratching my head going, man, what am I going to do with Jim? And I said, I got an idea. I go, Jim, here is six, sixth-grade boys. They were the worst boys you could ever imagine. I picked the most hyper, the most crazy ones, and I piled them all in this room. And I remember that first thing. I said, hey, have your small group, Big Jim, go in that room. I remember just kind of shutting the door saying, oh, dear Lord, help him. <laughs> and it was one of those is where I walked by that room twice. I didn't even want to open the door. The things, the noises that were coming out of there, it was like, it was like there was cat fights going on. And you know, it was one of those things where finally it ended, and the boys all run out, and they're just sweating, and just, ah, and they're like, yeah, and they run away. And Jim just kind of goes, mm, mm. And just kind of looks at me, and I go, see you next week. And he just kind of turned and walked away. Well, he showed up next week, and he showed up the week after that. What is absolutely amazing is, and this is this, is this um, unbelievable circle of love that actually happened in, is because that in about three weeks, Jim came in with kind of this big old smile on his face. And as soon as he walked in the door, those six boys stopped what they were doing and went, Jim! And all went running and started just climbing on him. And he was just kind of throwing them around and ha, 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 like this. And he's kind of holding them up because Jim was big. And this is what was amazing is, is as the years went on, Jim stayed with these young boys. And Jim would start, uh, I'd call him up and I'd be like, hey, Jim, want to go out for coffee or something like that? And he's like, no, I don't because I have a couple guys coming over and having dinner with my family. Or no, I can't because I'm taking my family to go see this sporting event or this, this theater event or something like that these, these boys are, are, are doing. And then later the phone calls, Dave, how, how do I really do a Bible study? Because these guys are asking questions I want to truly answer. And then questions like, Dave, how do I pray for so-and-so? Because their parents are going through a divorce and my heart is breaking. And you could hear the emotion in Jim's voice of saying, I want to be there for them. And all of a sudden I realized what was happening. Jim is feeling exactly what this simple sentence is saying. He stepped out and said, it doesn't matter what's going on in the rest of the world. It doesn't even matter my own heart condition. I love Jesus just a little this much, so I'm going to take this step in obedience. And when he did that out of love, what happened? The God of the universe began to give him the love and make it complete in him for God and for others. In such a way, it became miraculous. Jim stayed as their small group leader for seven years, hung with those students. Kind of cool on this one, just in this service. One of those students has actually came over to support me and hang out with me and is sitting over in the corner over there. He's big Mike, just about as big as Jim is back, back in the day. But it's one of those where I sit and look at it and said, Mike is actually probably sitting there because of the fact that Jim was obedient out of his just beginning love for Jesus. That makes obedience exciting. It's not following just a bunch of rules that God hands us in order to take away our fun. But when God says if we obey in love, he then, he then actually says, hey, I'm going to even give you more love so that you're more excited about obeying, so that you obey more, so that I can give you more love. And then this circle starts and life in obedience becomes natural, beautiful, miraculous, never easy, 
And this is actually coming from somebody that doesn't even like to say the word obey. I don't. But I want you to know there is nothing more glorious than out of, because he loved me, for me to live a life of saying, Jesus, I want to obey you. And so, for me, and and you, the challenge is easy. Will we love God through our obedience so that he can give us even more love, so we can obey even more, so that everybody around us sees that those churchgoers aren't begrudgingly obeying God, but there's a joy and a naturalness and an amazingness. You know what? I think I might want to obey just like they are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much. I first and foremost thank you for how much you love us. That you sent your own son and gave your life for us so that we could have a relationship with you that lasts forever. I want to apologize in, in front of my new friends for obeying with a, with a, with a bad attitude sometimes with the wrong motivation and so God I just ask that every single one of us here whether our love for you is just beginning or it's been with us our whole lives whatever that is I ask that you would show us where we could step out in obedience because we love you even more and what I do God is I praise you in the fact that as we step out in obedience and love you make your love complete in us and may that circle just get bigger and bigger so that the whole world knows obeying you is the only life and through that Jesus may you become famous in Jesus name Amen